room here today. It feels quiet anyway. Maybe I'll just add my voice that changes it. Um, I've got a couple of things we're going to do uh, before I get fully into what I want to share. I was just thinking of that scripture and uh, as we read it, and there, there's something that isn't in any of my notes but I, you know, that I haven't thought about yet, but I'll share anyway, just in case someone might like it. But if you'd know, if you'd lived in Galatia in the day when this was being written, uh, Galatia being, if, as some of you would know, about where Turkey is today, a province of the Roman Empire in those days, uh, there was a scattering of Jews through there who had scattered out of Israel before the gospel came. And so when the gospel flowed through there, some of the people who came to know Jesus were initially from that background and some weren't. And, and so some came already circumcised and some were uncircumcised. And, so, and they were meeting together because it's all about Jesus. Uh, but in those days, there, there was this thing called emperor worship. Some of you might know what I meant, where once uh, they and the Roman emperor, everyone who was in the emperor had to go and offer an offering to Caesar as God. Not on his behalf, to Caesar as a God. And Jews didn't do that. And neither did Christians, mostly. And uh, because they didn't do that, they had lots of problems. They came and went the problems. You know, it depends on how officious the local leader might be, on how much they took advantage of being able to rip people, oh, take people's things off them for not obeying Caesar. Well, probably depend on how many things they had too. Uh, no point in being too persecuting people who are totally poor because you don't get much benefit out of it. Uh, anyway, a lot of greed behind most things. <laughs> anyway, so, so what happened uh, over time, because the Jews were problematic people uh, for the Romans and they didn't, didn't handle them. A guy called Herod, ruling, he, he got a special thing called the Jewish exception. The Jewish exception was this. If you were a Jew, on the day that everyone worshipped Caesar as God, you didn't have to. You would make an offering on behalf of Caesar and pray a prayer for Caesar, not worship him as God. You getting something here? Jewish exception. So now the Christians aren't worshipping Caesar, but many of these Christians also aren't of the Jewish people. So if they do what these, and some, some of these leaders amongst the Jews are saying, you should all become Jews just like us if you're going to follow Jesus. The circumcision was the sign of that. And you can avoid the persecution. In the book of Galatians, he's saying, yes, but you're also compromising or cutting yourself off from faith in Christ. That's a total aside. We're not going there right now. Give me the first slide and, and uh, I'll go from there, Michael. So, so I just wanted to talk a bit before we get into the message about uh, maybe the journey of me and Awaken and uh, where we're at. Well, maybe not where we're at, just some of the conversation going on. And at Elders last week, we had, had a good conversation around this. I think it was a really good time. And just, just what is going on? Where are we at? You know, what is our sense of vision? And, and so rather than decide, we, we just want to walk the journey. And, and so I just wanted to put that on the table today and you know, recognise that we are on a journey. And uh, I've come from over here and you guys are walking along here together and you've been through some stuff before I got here that probably changed things a little bit 
even from where it had been fairly recently, but also, you know, there's a merging going on or a, a crossroads where we're sort of figuring out what it looks like to go ahead together, and that's all good stuff. Uh, I just took these things off the website uh, and Facebook pages, some slogans. You know, you are awakened, revival starts with you, disrupt the system, uh, practicing the way of Jesus. I, I feel like God's been disrupting my systems ever since I became a Christian. Uh, all the different ways I thought about life and me, he's just consistently disrupting them. And then after I've been a Christian for a few years, he comes and disrupts some of those systems and says, Paul, where did you get those from? Well, they're not quite the ones I wanted you to have. You know, just me, Jesus. You don't need all that religious stuff uh, as well. Oh, these are little phrases. So this is a little bit of what, what I see uh, has been put down to describe some of the journey here. won't talk about that too much. We don't want to take time here. Though the question there was about crossroads, and I mentioned that. Um, many of you would know Acts 16. And in Acts 16, a guy called Apostle Paul was traveling along doing what God told him to do. And it's interesting, eh? He says, God stopped us from preaching the gospel here. God didn't let us go and preach the gospel there. And then he, something, he got a, a dream of a man from Macedonia, and he figured, oh, God wants us to go and preach the gospel there. Because if you ask me about vision, I'll say it's very clear. It's very clear. Jesus. What else have you got? No, not much. Uh, about being the, the people of God, growing up to look like Jesus. And as he said, love God with all your heart. Love one another as I loved you. Go and make disciples who do that. To obey all the things I taught you. So, so it's not like, oh, I've got to come up for a vision for church. But here, Paul, he's got this. Do I do it here, here? And so sometimes there is a sense of the current timeliness of that journey. So we're not really trying to come up with a vision for God's church. You know, we just want to know how we're walking together in this season, this time. And so that's it. So what we've decided to do is to have some prayer meetings good place to pause eh, and make sure we're taking time. So this Sunday night coming, not tonight, next Sunday, uh, we'll have a premium in the evening. I think we've scheduled one a month. Anyway, we'll have all the dates up on the, uh, out the things. And we're also increasing um, the meetings we're going to have as elders between now and the end of the year, uh, just to give ourselves a chance to talk, to pray, to consider. Uh, so we, yeah, that's the journey we're on. So that's good. That's where we're at. So next Sunday, 7 p.m., there'll be some of us here just pray, and uh, we'll be figuring out how that merges uh, as well, and we'll go from there. So we're, we're into the message today, and we're mainly looking at verse 15 in that passage, two weeks on that uh, uh, there, and this is the end of Galatians. We had to go a bit faster times to get through, but uh, here we are. <laughs> Didn't go too deep sometimes, so it only took six months, not a year. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't the Word of God amazing? You just can keep wanting to, oh, I see more, I see more, I see more. But it's actually what's for today. And uh, what counts is a new creation. Now here's a comment on those statements I read earlier. Paul has told us that what counts is a new creation. Not what you're doing with your flesh, with your body, but what's happening in your spirit. He's saying to the Christians there in Galatia, 
with all the stuff going on around you, with the persecution you might face in the world, with all the confusion coming from these guys who want to, you know, be religious experts for you, what counts as a new creation? The boast is the boast of Jesus on the cross. And what counts in your life is how has that been a new creation in you? This is more than just practicing the way of Jesus. It includes that, but it's more. Because frankly, I can practice the way of Jesus without the cross. It's more than learning to be a, to be a learner of Jesus. It's actually what is the Holy Spirit working in me? This is more than trying to act Christ-like. It's actually becoming Christ-like. It's a new creation. To be a new creation means it wasn't there before. Before you encountered Jesus, it wasn't in your life. Before the Holy Spirit breathed into our spirits and, 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 and we came alive in him, it didn't exist. Our Christian life didn't exist before we came to the cross and received the breath of the Holy Spirit. Even for those of us who've been in church uh, most of our lives before that and had a lot of understanding and, and reasonably, you know, form behavior simply by being in the environment. There was no new creation without the cross and the Spirit at work in us. And every time we take communion, it should be the new creation life. What counts is a new creation. What counts is a new creation. We're going to just focus on these two verses here. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. The whole of Galatians is in, in these statements. The whole of the Gospels is in these statements. It's Jesus when he said in John 12, unless a seed goes down into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it goes down in the ground and dies, it can release what's in it, the new life that's in it, and it can become many seeds. He says, you know, it doesn't matter what you do with the seed. You can circumcise it or uncircumcise it. I don't know how you do that with a seed. But the point is, it doesn't matter what you do with the seed as a seed and how you dress it up or what things you put it through. What matters is, does it die? And does it become the new creation that it was created to be? It's, it's all in these verses. I thought we'd just jump around a little bit because this is talking about a covenant life. When you hear new creation and then you hear Jesus talk about new covenant, you're talking about the same thing. By the way, when you hear Jesus say, a new commandment I give unto you, he's talking about the same thing as well. He's talking about the new commandment that comes out of the new creation that is part of, that's in the new covenant. He's not, we're not jumping all over the place. We just stay with Jesus. He'll work it out. 
But think of Adam. Think of Adam for a moment. Some of you would know a bit about this. Where did Adam come from? Came from dirt. And he came from the breath of God. So you have some dirt, some created matter. You have a decision by God that is expressed through his mouth, a word. And as he says it, he breathes it, and that breath goes into the, God had done something with the dirt already, formed something, goes into what he had formed, and Adam becomes a living being, the first man created. So creation comes from matter and spirit and intention, stated intention. So there's Adam. We know that Adam broke his fellowship with God and he messed things up. We don't want to spend too much time talking about that. But I want to talk about Noah. I'm, I'm trying to help us to, to see clearly, or more clearly, this, my only boast is the cross, what counts as a new creation. And I know we need to because I've realized I needed to. Think of Noah. I don't want to go too deeply into the story, but Noah was a guy you read about in Genesis 6, if you haven't heard of him. Uh, so if you want more detail, you have to go read it. Then I give you. So, so Noah's living in a day when the Bible says no one else was following God. He can count his generations back to Adam. He, he's not that far away. There's hundreds of years in there, but it, it's trackable. They know it. And so the story of God should have been coming down. He had a uh, great-grandfather who... God liked a lot. His name was Enoch. So it says when God looked down, he saw only one man who had a righteous heart. By the way, that also means a, a heart that thinks of other people and is generous. Uh, imagine living in a place where everyone's only thinking about themselves and what they can get out of it. It'd get pretty ugly, pretty quick. <laughs> anyway, so it's not just about God and people. It's also about God grieving over what people are doing to each other. And to the earth, but I won't go into any those details. And so God decides He's going to do something here to help rescue rescue humanity. So He comes to Adam uh, Noah, and He says, "Adam, can we make a a limited covenant? And in this limited covenant, I I want you and I to covenant together to build an ark, a big boat." Because judgment's coming on this world and I'm trying to rescue some of what I've created. And so God and Noah built an ark. We know Noah probably did most of the actual work, but he had God's wisdom and planning and breath the Holy Spirit on him. Yeah, I imagined. <laughs> so they built an ark. Now, if you go to second. Peter, no, First Peter, I think it is, it talked about that while Noah was, was doing this, the whole time he was preaching righteousness, he was a preacher of righteousness to the people of his time. And none of them would listen, and none of them obeyed. And so Noah's actions brought judgment on them because he kept telling them, you can be saved, you can be saved, you can be saved, and they're saying, we don't care, we don't care, we don't care. I don't know exactly what he said, by the way, but yeah, that's my impression. And so he's finished the ark, and God says, go inside. 
He spent a hundred years telling people they needed to take note of this. So he and his family and some animals go inside. Now this is the part, I'm telling you, we only boast in the cross. Not in ourselves. Not in our religiousness, our, our, our spirituality. Listen to this. So, so, so just imagine that um, Noah, he's had a hundred year journey and his sons and daughters have come in. So first thing, note, when they choose to go into the ark, it hasn't started raining. But they are making a choice to become dead to the world that they have known all their lives. What did we read? And when we boast on the cross, that through the cross we are dead to the world and the world is dead to us. Do you see that in that story? They made a choice to become dead to that world. It's a metaphor, but it's actually a real thing, not physically gone, but that, that no longer had any meaning to them because they're choosing to walk out of it, to trust the word of God, and that world became dead to them. And they walk into the ark. How, what did it take for them to get saved? How much faith? Imagine going, oh, I don't believe this is going to happen, Dad. I just absolutely certain that this is stupid. I think it's ridiculous what you, this, this is going out. But uh, because I'll do it, I'll come in. Or I'm really, I'm really, I don't know why I'm here. It yeah. doesn't matter how they felt. doesn't matter what they thought. What mattered is did they go in. That was an act of obedience. That's what faith is. You know to have great faith when you feel like you have great faith. I have great faith when I obey God. One of the things that, that catches some of us out as younger Christians is realizing this when God strengthens me, I sometimes still feel really weak. But I found I was strong enough. I found I was strong enough. It's not like he strengthens me and suddenly I felt this ooh, strength go me and suddenly I felt like Superman. No. I stepped out to do what I felt God led me to do, feeling weak. But I found I was strong enough. I stepped out feeling inadequate, but I found I was more than enough. Because he's strengthening me through my spirit. It's not a matter of the flesh, the circumcision or the uncircumcision, the weakness or the strength, the, the smartness or the dumbness. It's about the trust in the spirit. So you see in the ark, their boast became the ark, which was the obedience of their father Noah. That's the cross for us. That's the new covenant that's not, it's a picture of the cross and the new covenant. So Jesus, through the cross, has created an ark. A very real ark. It's taken me years to start to grasp that this, you know, not grasp intellectually, but grasp in the sense that the spiritual is more real than the natural. I, I, I still struggle with that, but I'm way over where I used to be. The spiritual is more real than the natural. So Jesus has created a real ark, 
a spiritual ark and we're invited in, just like Noah invited his family. And it's the cross, which is the new covenant in his blood, which is the issue. Will I trust God and rest in him? And then my only boast becomes the cross. And I start becoming a new creation. A new creation. We see that if we jump to Jesus from Noah. So, so how did Jesus become created? Some dirt. It went through a few processes. But a baby formed in a mother's womb came from matter. Grew up on plants and animals and got turned into food, you know. <laughs> but it's still essentially from the dirt, from the, from the matter there. And the Word and the Spirit of God. There was one other factor in Jesus becoming created. There was a Mary who said, Father, your will be done, God. I don't know how this can be so, but you. <laughs> you know, what's impossible for me is possible for you. But you know, what I'm saying, she consented. She said yes. She held the word that God had said in her heart, the Bible says. So her faith, she came into the ark. She came into the cross. And the new creation of Jesus, life of Jesus came alive in her and grew. That's how we become Christians. That's how new creation life comes in us. The word of Christ comes to us. What do we do with it? Impossible God. Can't be. Ridiculous. I don't know. But I'll hold it in my heart. And as long as we hold it, it grows. Because the Holy Spirit grows it. The only thing that counts is a new creation. Which isn't by our might or strength. Not even our, our mighty faith. And you've all come across some of those Christians who just have this faith that just seems to be untouchable until one day it's popped. Because <laughs> as I said, it's not faith in my faith. <laughs> The mustard seed of obedience in God is the greatest faith. It's consistently trusting God. And, and as we were talking to someone the other day, when a righteous man falls down, he gets up again. So it doesn't matter how many times it fall, he falls. The issue is, does he get up again? A righteous man falls down and stays. Uh, sorry, an evil man falls down and stays down. Just see the difference between the life of the new creation. So, so we get to Abraham. And don't Abraham want to include Isaac. So how did Abraham and Sarah have Isaac? Well, they are from the dirt. They're matter. They're physical. They're, they're for this world. And they haven't been able to have children. This is a big part of that story. We keep going back to it. But this is how the new creation life happens for us within our innermost being. 
just like in somewhere in Sarah's innermost being, this time around, after God had spoken, she conceived. So you have inanimate matter, not inanimate matter, just matter, and you have the intention and will of God expressed in a word. You have someone who says, let it be so, God, has a go with it, and the breath of God conceived Isaac. And Galatians told us that we're like Isaac. We're of the promise and the spirit of God, the new creation life. And it begins in our innermost being and it grows up to how we think, how we look at the world, should affect how we speak and the choices we make and et cetera, et cetera. But the Holy Spirit grows it. I just keep holding on to it. And you agree. What counts is not what I do with my body. Did it make a difference that Abraham was circumcised? Yes and no. It didn't make any difference to the new creation life coming about, but his circumcision was a sign of his faith and that he obeyed God. That's it. It was never meant to be a work, it was always a sign of that, that he obeyed God. God said, do this to sh- as a sign that you, you trust me. Okay, I'll do it to show you that I trust you. It's a sign. So I've got this, this picture of new creation life coming about within us, like it did, like Isaac coming about in Sarah. The new creation life. Isaac is a picture of a New Testament believer. We talked about that last week as well, the boast on the cross. The being the new creation life. What's next? Oh, the crushing. I knew that was coming up. I just wondered if I'd snuck something in before. And one of the, the hard truths or realities for, for you know, most of us, particularly us Westerners, maybe it's getting to be less hard now because you know, we've been through some things that we didn't expect to go through in the last few years. Uh, by the way, I've been naughty here. It doesn't matter if you're uncircumcised or circumcised. It doesn't matter if you're unvaccinated or vaccinated. Back in that journey, same faith can go both ways. I have friends who, 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 now, who chose not to get vaccinated, close friends. They believe that was the leading of God in their life. Faith. I actually got vaccinated. I was a slow vaccinator in this thing. You know what tipped my thinking? Is when I met some Christians who were going on and on about how to, if you take that vaccination, you'll be dead in two years telling me all these things and on and on. I thought, oh God, now I've got to go and get vaccinated. <laughs> get what I'm saying? Faith that God can protect me from this. Faith that God will protect me from that. And we and my friends, it made no difference to us. Because you've got the same faith in the same God. Not faith in the appearance or the process or the practice. We just got to learn the new creation level as a deeper level. So, so the thing that happens with this new creation life, if you want to get the new life out of a seed, what do you do to the seed? You've got to put it in the ground. And what happens to the seed in the ground? The hard shell around the seed has to be broken away. 
so that the, the potential in the seed can come alive and grow. So there's no fruitfulness from the new creation life of the Spirit of Christ in us without a process of washing. That's the cross. So Jesus came to a cross that crushed his physical life, the humanity he had, and put him in a grave. But it also released the Spirit of God in him so we could have him. Do we know that if Jesus hadn't died as a man, the Son of God who came from heaven, we could not receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He'd be locked up in Jesus. He might still be alive today. He might have lived for 2,000 years on earth as an estranged man when everyone else around him was dying because he was born of God. But he'd be the only one. People could learn about him, but they could never have the new creation life. People could follow him and practice his ways, but they could never have his new created life within them because it's all locked up in him. But he died. The seed went into the ground and the flesh on the seed was taken away and the spirit was released. The Holy Spirit, so we could all breathe him in and become part of his new covenant. It's just a mystery, isn't it? How does that work from a human point of view? Well, someone will come up with a way of illustrating it. But that's what we see in the gospel. That's why Paul said it doesn't matter what you did with your body, whether you circumcised it or didn't. What matters is, have you come alive with the Holy Spirit? Have you come to the cross of Jesus? Christ did his saving work for you, like going into the yard, but discover that he now begins to work that cross work in us. In us. Something comes alive in us. And then like Mary, when Jesus was conceived, we hold on to that. We walk with that. And it grows. So there are practices and there are disciplines. But they're not about achieving something. They're about working with, with what God's working in us. And there's crushing. There's a crushing. It's surprising how, how we've missed it as a church, hey? Not maybe you haven't, but how, how the significance of this, the size of this point in the gospel story, it seems to have been shrunk from like a big part to a tiny part. But it is the big story. And you get these verses that, that talk about in 2 Corinthians 4, it's a, it's a significant chapter for this, where Paul's saying, I die daily so you can receive the life of the Spirit. He said, I have to die to who I am as Paul so the Spirit life in me can flow out of me. Unless a man deny himself and take up his cross, he cannot be my disciple. Crushing. The crushing of who I was so that who I am becoming in Christ by the Holy Spirit will be released. Just notice we didn't get the timer going up there, so I have no idea how long I've been speaking. So uh, here you go. 
They could be good, they could be bad. Uh, yeah, not too much more to say. I've got this strange verse here. It's not strange, it just might seem slightly out of context to some of you, but you'll get it in a moment. So here in, in Isaiah 10, we're talking about crushing. Isaiah 10, 24 to 27. I haven't got all those verses in there. I just pulled a couple of thoughts out of them. He's saying to his people, don't be afraid of the Assyrians. They had this massive army coming towards them. So uh, don't be afraid of the Assyrians who beat you with a rod and lift up a club against you as Egypt. So he's alluding to the fact of the day when they were in captive in Egypt. So looks like you're now going to become a priest to the Assyrians like you were oppressed by the Egyptians, okay? He's saying, don't, don't be afraid of these people. I mean, everything natural or common sense would have said, be very, very, very afraid. But he's saying, don't be afraid. In that day, their burden, the Assyrians' burden, the pressure they bring on them, will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. Now, some might have come across this verse before, and, and some versions would put it there because of the anointing. Because you have grown so fat. Because the new creation life in you has grown so fat, it's breaking off those things from your old life that have been oppressive to you, restrictive to you, breaks it off. Our deliverance is within us. God wants to grow his life in us so it's stronger than the other things around us. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's been one of my challenges over the last couple of years is to learn to live lying down in green pastures and not feel guilty. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his rod and the staff, they will comfort me. Let me suggest that the comfort will come into your new created life on the inside and make you fat with the comfort of God. That means that the pressure of the valley of the shadow of the death coming on you does not overwhelm you. It's not that God runs up beside you, pulls out a staff and bangs it all away. He may do that. But this is not talking about that. It's talking about he will do it in you and it will give you something stronger on the inside than the pressure on the outside. Is that they seeing that, eh? So, so the way that we're going to see many of the promises of God and many of the things we've dreamed will come about is because we grow fat on being the new covenant life of Christ within us. Not because, miraculously, something just drops in front of us one day. Oh, God, look, you've done it. It'll feel like that, but it's actually going to come because we're living our new covenant life. We're in the pressure, but at the same time, we're growing 
back. I was just thinking as we did Cornerstone this morning, this is a rough connection of a time, and I think it was beginning of 2012, Grace and I were on holiday in uh, the Surface Paradise area and got one of those deals where you get, you know, seven days and uh, in a hotel and airfares and all that, and, uh, and, and Grace's family there, so we just extend the time and you get a double, double hitch, visit the family, have a holiday. And so I went to church on Sunday night, and Grace wasn't religious enough to go to church on Sunday night on holiday. Um, so I, I Googled and found out a place in walking distance where we were staying and wandered off. It was a, a contemporary-style church, and, uh, and it was in a commercial building. And I found the building, and I found my way in, and there were some people greeting at the door, and it's like, and I felt like it was quite robotic. And, and then there were some people meeting somewhere else and you had to sort of walk this way, that way, that way to find your way into this auditorium. And finally I found it and I thought, I was sitting there feeling quite judgmental about this place, uh, and, which wasn't good. Anyway, and then uh, the, the MC was just, you know, hype, hype, hype. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, this sounds like stereotype. You're in the best place you could ever be tonight. No, nah, we're not. This is a good Anyway. Then they did Cornerstone, and they did a couple of songs I didn't know, and I was just getting in a bad way, and I think, God, you better help me, because I knew I, was, I knew I had a bad attitude coming on, which is not like me, actually, by the way. Does that be all right, Grace? Yeah. Anyway, and, and then they did Cornerstone, and as we did, started singing the song Cornerstone, I thought of three families back at Unite Church where we were pastoring at the time. And I remembered as we were singing Christmas Day service, uh, 2011, and I can remember them sitting, this was the stage, they were sitting there on the front row, and there was David and Bev and John and Sue and Paul and Pam, and in February 2011, uh, Paul and Pam's 18-year-old, who had had a lifetime of sickness, had died, and we'd gone through that funeral. And somewhere around November 2011, Dave and Bev's 23-year-old daughter had an aneurysm pop in the brain, and she was gone. And years before, well, I knew them, but it was still something they were walking with, John and Sue's, I think, 12-year-old son had died in an accident. And, and just remembering seeing them worshipping God. And I was changed. So that's the power of worship and being together in corporate places at times, isn't it? My, my day was a good day. It was all different. But, you know, this is the new creation life. God wants to do it in us. As I was remembering them, the Spirit of God was just reminding me of his goodness and his faithfulness. And it's just irrelevant how someone does church. Circumcision or not circumcised. Do it well or don't do it well. What's happening in our spirits? What's happening in our hearts? What's happening in our relationships? Because as Christ is formed in us, that's Galatians 4, 19, 18, he's, he's also forming us as his body in him. So I've got time to finish, isn't it? Are you growing fat? That's our goal. Go fat. Not, not in the body, maybe, but in the spirit. Go fat on Jesus. Don't boast on anything else. But he's crushing me. And I'm going fat. I'm learning it's okay to be weak. It's okay to get broken. It's okay to feel inadequate. It's just not okay not to trust God. 
And we'll learn we can do a whole lot of things weak and broken and inadequate when we're trusting God. I'm going to finish with this scripture and then one question. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you try and save your seed from the crushing, no matter how well you dress it up, it's still a seed. The life we have before Jesus, the seed. The life your mum and dad gave us, the seed. The life that lives primarily trying to figure out how to win in this world or survive, the seed. If our focus is on saving that seed, that's all we get. But if we trust the seed to Jesus, this man deny himself and take up his cross, that's a picture of faith. We start to find what's in the seed. This is my problem. I have the times when people... Uh, preach those verses like, you were made in the image of God, just as you are. No, you weren't. It's in the seed. And it needs the breath of God on it to begin to come out of that seed. And the seed needs to be crushed. Yes, it's within us, the created God's purpose, God's plan, all he saw us to be. But it's, it's the seed until it comes to the cross. What are you doing today? Hanging on to the seed? Look at my seed. Or is it in the ground of the faith and the cross of Jesus? But what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, his seed? But what should a man give in return for his soul? Nothing. But we give it to Jesus and he does something with it. In the last verse, for a son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. You're back in the day of Noah, and you're getting repaid according to what you've done. What did you get repaid according to? Did you listen to God and get in the ark? Why were you lost? Because God was mean and angry? Well, because you didn't listen and take advantage of his gracious, merciful gift of a means to save yourself from the coming storm. You see what I'm saying? Let's, let's turn the scripture out. It's not the story of the gospel is not God sending people to hell. The story of the gospel is God rescuing people who are already on a trajectory away, you know, to destruction. So the question then is, he'll repay each person according to what he has done. So if what he has done for us, as he did in the days of Noah, is to create an ark, a new covenant ark, could Jesus Christ, the crucified, resurrected Jesus, 
who, as we said last week, is both on earth and in heaven at the same time, has created an ark. And he's saying, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with his blood that was poured out for you? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the faith Jesus had for you? What are you going to do with it? This has nothing to do with what I do with my body, is it? Like, is it circumcised? Is it uncircumcised? Did I dress it up right? Have I brought it to God and trusted him? Have I trusted him like a seed going down on the ground? He's not judging us what you did every moment of every day and how weighed up, good or bad. He's saying, what are you going to do with Jesus? And will you live in faith in him? Anyway, that's enough. You know, we're going to have some worship and that's a good chance for us to let the Holy Spirit show us what it means for us today to be living like a seed in the ground. Being a new creation like. Our only boast is the cross. Man, so just pray. Lord Dave gets himself sorted there. Father God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you. You didn't leave us alone. You, you didn't abandon us. You didn't turn your back on us. That out of, your, out of your compassion for us, that out of your desire for us, out of your delight in us, out of your devotion to us, you came in the form of Jesus and you've created this ark of salvation for us, this, this picture of an ark of a cross in the blood of Jesus. You call it your new covenant. And Lord, you want it to be alive in us, your new covenant. There will be new creations in you. But Father, I pray for us each here today, Lord, for there's something fresh to be happening between us and you. That we'll be just desiring to be in that ground with you, in faith with you, in hope with you, living, knowing that you are at work in us. Lord, that you can do far more than we can. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're smarter, you're, you're all, and always better than we are. And in always you want to do good in us. Father, just bless us, we pray, as as those who want to just come and say, the only thing that counts for me is being a new creation in Jesus Christ. Amen.